Well, the feeding of the 5,000 is one of the most well-known stories in the Bible. It appears in all four Gospels. And there are many lessons it teaches us from the perspective of the crowd, the miracle itself, the breaking, the blessing and the giving of bread. But I've chosen today to focus on the way that Jesus uses this miracle to teach and challenge the disciples and therefore how he uses the miracle to teach and challenge us today. Let's start by looking at Eularia Clark's painting called The 5000. Well, this painting is part of the Methodist Modern Art Collection. The crowd are in modern dress, eating our modern-day equivalent of fish and chips. Tea is brewing in the lower right corner. Bicycles and footballs are discarded. Children and babies are remarkably well-behaved. I love this painting, particularly the lady in the bottom corner who is first asleep through the sermon. Let's see if I can keep everyone awake this morning. As you look at this painting, Bettina is going to read the first section of a poem taken from the United Reformed Church Families on Faith Adventure. Here come the people, 5,000 men and thousands of women and children with them, all seeking Jesus, the man of the day. And what do they bring, I hear you say? We bring our excitement, our wanting to hear. We've heard of his teaching, his healing. It's clear this Jesus is special, a leader we've found. Speak to us, Jesus. We're all gathered round. Well, let's go back to the beginning of our Bible passage. Jesus has just been told that his beloved cousin, John the Baptist, has been murdered in prison. Grieving for the loss of John, he decides to go to a quiet place to be alone with the disciples. Verse 13, he withdrew by boat privately to a wilderness place. By the time of this miracle, Jesus would have had quite a reputation. And when he arrived, instead of finding a place of quiet, he instead found thousands of people eager to hear his teaching and experience miracles of healing. I think most of us in Jesus' place, tired and grieving, wouldn't feel that we had anything left to give to others. But in verse 14, it says, Jesus had compassion on them. Even carrying his own grief, Jesus feels his heart enlarged with compassion for the crowd. In the original text, the word used for compassion means something like a gut-wrenching level of compassion for the flight of others, felt in one's innermost being. We often feel sad for others, but I wonder how often we feel gut-wrenching compassion for others. On the concourse, over here, there is a prayer net, um, which if you can't see now, you might be able to have a look at afterwards. And it re represents us all. We all have times in our life when we are struggling. In fact, most of us here today will be struggling with some aspect of our life, I suspect. Our health, 
our relationships, our loss. Hanging down from the net are a range of different life sufferings. But surrounding those sufferings, they're all in the middle, and surrounding them is a rainbow of blessings. These are the blessings that Jesus calls us to compassionately offer to others, to surround them with love, hope, care, support. And most importantly of all, those sufferings and the blessings that surround them are surrounded again by a shoal of prayer. So, after the service, you may wish to write a prayer on one of the fish which are in one of the baskets over there. And we'll hang them on the tree at the moment because it's a bit hard to get get up to the net, which is quite high up, but we'll add them to the net at some future time. So, Jesus' first teachable moment for us is that if we uphold the suffering of others and ask for his help, he will fill us with gut-wrenching compassion and help us to support others in need. So back to our passage, Jesus has been serving the crowd all day. Imagine, if you will, the shadows growing longer as the evening approached. Let's hear the second part of our poem. Here come the disciples, not sure what to do. The crowd's getting hungry. The hour is late, too. Jesus has taught through the heat of the day, but they have no food in the shops far away. We bring our concern. This is not what we planned. If the crowd isn't fed, things will get out of hand. We want to be organized, Jesus, it's true, but we can't afford takeaway. What should we do? Here come the people, their tummies are rumbling. They've listened to Jesus, but now they're a grumbling. Their tummies are empty, they're tired, and they're niggly. The adults all aching, the children all wriggly. We bring you our problems, our sickness, our need, and now that we're hungry, we all need to feed. We bring you our questions. We bring you our first. If there's any food going, then please feed us first. Well, the crowd demonstrated they had no intention of dispersing. After all, they'd probably travelled a great distance to hear Jesus, and this could have been their only opportunity. It's not like today where celebrities appear on the television all the time. The disciples saw the hunger of the people and asked Jesus to sort the problem out by sending them away to get their own food. I've got a different picture for you to see. Let's have a look at John Riley's picture called Feeding of the 5,000. Now, this picture is also part of the Methodist Church Modern Art Collection and focuses its attention on the disciples. In the painting, the disciples are mixed gender, and it's the same disciples on both sides of Jesus. The picture depicts the change in the disciples from before they see the miracle, painted on the right, and how it changed them afterwards, painted on the left. On the right-hand side, Jesus has just asked the disciples to feed the crowd. In verse 16, he says, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. 
the artist has depicted the disciples' reaction to Jesus' command. They are in a dark, cramped huddle, standing on each other's toes, hands waving in despair. I wonder how often we feel despair at a task we have to do. Jesus' instruction to, to them to feed thousands of people must have seemed impossible. They must have felt overwhelmed. The disciples saw the need of the people and felt sorry for them, but they didn't feel compassion for them and just wanted Jesus to send them away. I wonder how often we ask God to send our problems away. The needs of the world are so vast and quite overwhelming. We may be tempted to turn a blind eye to all the pain and struggle of others, because we just can't see a way to fix everything for everyone. But Jesus requires more of us, his disciples, today. This is the second lesson Jesus teaches us, that once we've been filled with that gut-wrenching compassion towards others, we must then be moved to action Having compassion on its own is not enough. We need to step out and do something. Maybe you drew a face of someone you know is struggling and put it on the prayer wall. And if so, you have already been moved into action by offering that person to God in prayer. Maybe you could do a little more by having a conversation with that person or offering some practical help. Or maybe you could pick a charity to support, research its prayer needs and its practical needs and offer to help there. Or focus on one area of your local community, maybe the doctor's surgery or a school or the local council. Find out their prayer and practical needs. Or maybe God is laying a particular country on your heart, asking you to look into the needs of that country and step up to action, lobbying for change. We can't do everything, but everyone can do something. And as we consider what action we can take, we hear Jesus gently asking us, as he did the disciples, how many loaves do you have? Jesus invites us to change our focus rather than focus on the overwhelming needs that we see Focus on the loaves that we have, our time, gifts and talents, hiding in plain sight. Jesus calls us to selflessly offer something which may be small, but can be hugely significant to others, particularly when the, those small offers are joined together with the offers others give, multiplying their effect to help and bless others. All the faces joined together on our display, all the fish joined together on our net, all the doves joined together on the tree in the lounge, all those prayers joined together, um, all in prayer to God. Let's listen now to the next part of our poem. Here comes a small boy, a quiet young chap, He's got a small bag that he held in his lap. The disciples look at him and shoo him away. 
Oh, what could you bring? They all laughingly say. I bring you my picnic. Two fish and some bread. I know it's not much. Maybe some could be fed. I bring you my kindness. I'm eager to share. I may only be small, but small people can care. And here comes Jesus. He smiles and he says, your kindness has helped meet their needs for today. He blesses the fish and the bread with a prayer. And the disciples find more than enough there to share. When their disciples had gathered the food, Jesus asked the crowd to sit down. Imagine thousands of people doing as he asks and waiting in, in anticipation of what would happen next. Well, in verse 19 it says, And looking up to heaven, he gave thanks. A bit like in our display, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Jesus offers up the limited resources they have to God and gives thanks. And did you notice, when he gave thanks, the multiplication of the loaves and fish had not yet occurred. Jesus expressed thanksgiving through prayer when, from all physical evidence, there was very little to be thankful for. He thanked God in advance of seeing the full revelation of the miraculous. We may struggle with trusting and praising God in those times when we hit some major disappointment in life. Do we rarely see the miraculous because we don't expect God to work in our life? And if we are honest, we struggle to believe he will. Do we think that God can't work beyond the realm of reason? Nothing is impossible for God. Your prayers are heard by God and he will always answer. Maybe not directly as you ask, but he will move according to his will. So the third lesson that Jesus teaches us is that we too need to offer everything to God in prayer and with thanks. Even when we ourselves are struggling, we must be willing to give every crumb and expect him to work a miracle. Let's look again at the Riley painting. This time, um, look at the disciples on the left of the picture. We can. When they discover that Jesus has multiplied the loaves and fishes and that unexpectedly there is now more than enough to go round. That somehow God has used what little was offered to perform a miracle and bring in a bumper harvest, and all around are fed and nurtured body and soul, with 12 full baskets left over. God provided abundantly and does for us today God gives us what we need, but he also gives us more, which he expects us to share with others. God gives us what we need, but he also gives us more, which he expects us to share with others. He may be expecting us to share our excess of wealth, or he may be calling us to share our excess of love, 
or time or a skill or talent. Pray that God will lay on your heart any excess he is calling you to share. This miracle was a major turning point for the disciples. It was when the penny dropped that Jesus wasn't going to be with them in body much longer and that they were now to be the ones to stand where Jesus stood, praying compassionately to God through Jesus for the needs of people and to allow Jesus to work miracles through their hands. They fully accepted their discipleship role and with the exception of Judas, went on to be the future leaders of the church. Today, you and I have the choice to be Jesus' disciples. You can't be voted in as a disciple, nor can you be forced into a relationship with Jesus. But Jesus invites you now to be his disciple and to agree to serve others compassionately being moved to action, sharing your excess and inviting others to make the discipleship journey with you. Are you willing to love with gut-wrenching compassion, step out in action and offer all that you do to God in prayer? If so, then hand over every little crumb of your skills, your resources, talents and time to God and have faith that God will use them in miraculous ways to do things beyond your imagination. Let's finish by hearing the final part of the poem. I bring food in abundance for everyone here. When everyone's eaten, there'll still be food spare. But more, I bring you food from heaven above, More than ever you need, for I bring you God's love. So bring your excitement, your wanting to hear. Bring all your doubts and your questions and fears. Bring what you have, even though it be small. Be willing to share as you answer God's call. For Jesus will heal you and feed you and more. He will take what you bring and will use it for sure. You'll be filled with God's love. It's just like Jesus said, God's love in abundance, like heavenly bread. Amen.